Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everyone, and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we're chatting a little bit of news and notes. We're going to touch on some things we didn't get the opportunity to touch on. Uh, we're also going to do a preview of the Challenge Cup. And we've got a World Cup stock watch that we want to go through that we're really excited about because there's nothing better than talking about trends. So we'll talk about that very, very soon. But a quick reminder to subscribe to us on YouTube, also as a podcast. So follow, like, and download so that you never miss out on a single episode. Lisa, we're back at it. How you doing this morning? I am good to good to be here. Happy to be here with everyone. Thanks for joining us live on YouTube. Um, if you didn't and you wanted to, hit subscribe because then as soon as we go live and we start chit-chatting here, you get an alert and then you can log on to YouTube and join us. So thanks for those that are trickling in right now. It's good to be here. Good to be chatting about it. Um, there's a lot of news we got to run through, but it's Sandra. 65 days until the 2023 Women's World Cup kicks off in Australia and New Zealand. We are starting the immense buildup here at Attacking Third because there is so much to talk about. There are so many previews to go through and nations and teams, and we're going to get rosters in a couple weeks. Um, it is such an exciting time in women's football, and it starts today at Attacking Third, 65 days until the World Cup. We're ready to talk about it. Um, and, of course, a little bit of Challenge Cup action thrown in there as well. <laughs> we're uh, well, Look, we're cutting it down. Uh, we're ever so close. We're cutting it real, real close, honestly, if we're looking at the bigger picture of things for the World Cup. So I can't wait to, to go through that. We're going to save that for, uh, you know, towards the latter end of the of the episode. So make sure you, you stick around with us um, to do the stock watch. But let's touch on some news to sort of kick things off here on the episode. We wanted to, to talk about some things globally. We didn't get the opportunity to, to react to them or touch on them. And this is a good time for us to sort of uh, not only play catch up, but get each other's thoughts on on these bits of news and, and get the the chat and the and the thoughts and the uh, on YouTube here. So let's start with uh, Barcelona because 
talk about like an up and down kind of uh, pendulum swing here. There was a bit of news where Barcelona's epic 62 game winning streak in La Liga ended by Sevilla. So it was a big it was a big thing because that's an incredible, incredible streak. 62 games. Um, But it was brief. Uh, It was it was brief. It was a real moment where it was just like, wow. That sucks, but it's also like, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that incredible run. Unclear on TBD if that sort of streak will ever be touched or matched yeah. again. Because, I mean, my God, that is an incredibly long streak. Uh, but, you know, no time for, for tears because they had to go and, and, and win the league. And they went ahead and they done that just shortly after uh, that quick little, that, that little hurdle. But, I mean... You know what it means, I think, if you're the opposition as well. I think in that sense, you're also sort of etched in Spanish soccer history where you could sort of say, hey, maybe we're not contenders for the league title right now. But, you know, what we did do this season. We ended Barcelona's winning streak. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at how it happened, right, Sevilla is second half of the table right (laughs) in in this league um they've struggled to pick up points they only have nine wins on the season whereas barcelona 28 wins that one draw of course 100 um and 17 goals for scored by barcelona this year i I think for sevilla you're for sure excited about that you're like yeah yeah we held them scoreless no one no one has been able to do that Never was there a happier draw. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But Barcelona does go on to win it anyway. Um, and then they ended up having their giant parade in the streets of Barcelona. Pretty fantastic to see. We've got pictures um, if you're joining us live on YouTube. I mean, what a party. How fun is this? Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to be there? Look at all the players having Hopefully. a good time. Congratulations in order uh, to Barcelona for keeping up the dominance, honestly. And that's not that's not easy either i think maybe for perhaps for like neutral fans like the whole concept of of a of a big threatening team on a ridiculous streak constantly winning perhaps for the neutral can get kind of repetitive or boring even Mm -hmm. but um i think you got to celebrate this kind of stuff because you don't often i think see it in uh in women's sports and i think when you have a, a group or team kind of go on these incredible runs it's uh it's meant to be it's meant to be celebrated so congrats congrats in order uh to to them and we wanted to definitely touch on that and react to that for a little bit in spain let's uh, pivot to england talk about england a little bit chelsea winning the fa cup recently uh in front of an incredible crowd seventy-seven thousand uh 339 in the stands uh, what a scene um World record crowd for a women's domestic match. Emma Hayes dedicating the FA Cup victory uh, to the fans. Sam Kerr with the backflip. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good. Again, we're talking about scenes. Um, really good stuff here for for Chelsea. Yeah, this is like truly incredible to watch how how this kind of all played out. Um, for this team and for everything. I mean, I, I want to talk a little bit about Sandra just for a second, the crowd, because yeah. a world record 77,390 fans in attendance for this final match. Um, it, it, 
Chelsea, Man United, of course, it was a good game. Of course, there was a, a lot there to go into it. But don't say that no one watches women's sports. And I mean, we're preaching to the choir on this show because you're obviously yeah. here because you're into women's football. Um, but truly fantastic to see that all these people came out and showed up. Um, and I think this is like we just talked about Barcelona and and Barcelona is a team that's headed on to the UEFA Champions League final. Um, unfortunately, Chelsea not there at this point. But the, I think that like this is the time like in the months leading up to the World Cup where it's it's this match for Chelsea um, in the FA Women's Cup against Manchester United, the UEFA Champions League and um all the NWSL attendances that we're seeing across the board, like this is it. Finally, people are are showing up and giving the support. Um, and of course, in this match, as you mentioned, Sam Kerr in the 60th minute, getting the game winner, uh, the celebration of a backflip. It's fantastic. It, it was so good to see. I mean, uh, she is just so impressive to watch. It is so, so fun to watch her. And people get to then watch her again at the world cup with Australia. And that's something pretty cool as well. Um, it's all these like little moments that are building up to this incredible summer of football that we have. Yeah. That's kind of the energy, right? I think that a lot of us were taking away from the sights and the sounds of, of an event like that. We were just like, gosh, it's just going to get better. Mm -hmm. Like from here on out, especially, you know, I mean, we're talking about Sam Kerr, Australia, one of the home countries, and she's maybe trying to practice. You know, we'll see. Maybe she's getting those uh, black uh, the the backflip uh, practices in before she has to put on a jersey with Matilda's and uh, go do some special things there. So we'll we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it for sure. Um, let's uh, close out the new segment and pivot to France. Olympic Lyon winning their tenth Coupe de France after defeating Paris Saint Germain two one. We're, we're literally we just started this segment talking about Sevilla and the draw that they had with Barcelona and that just being a very brief moment in time before Barcelona went on to keep winning. Um, and now we've got Lyon, another, maybe we could look at a different country in a different league and, and say, this is a team that has typically dominated uh, French football for quite some time. Um, although PSG might have some things to, to say about <laughs> that. Right. Uh, but congratulations to them. 10th, 10th Coupe de France. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Um, it really good stuff from these players. A, a brace from Ada Hedberg for OL to get the win over PSG in this one. So Lindsay Horan, um, of course, a U.S. international midfielder, playing on Lyon and, and lifting that trophy as well. It's this is like such a fun time of soccer because like everyone's lifting these trophies. It's the time <laughs> for celebrations. We saw the parade from Barca, and now Lyon gets to join in the celebrations. Um, really tremendous to see kind of all these things coming together. Really big win for Lyon. I know um, PSG fans not all, not too a little bitter. A little bitter in their their mouth after that one. Listen, there's there's still a couple games left in in the league, so yeah. maybe they'll have their say, uh, you know, on, on that final stamp. Some they'll, they'll need some help. They'll not only will they need to win, because um, right now it's of course OL at one and PSG at two, three points separating these two teams in the standing. So PSG will will not only need to get the job done on their end and win some games, but uh, Leon will have to maybe drop some points. 
along the way. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe we'll do have a different yeah. news and notes segment and we'll be talking about PSG uh, winning another title of, of their own. Uh, but let's uh, close out with some NWSL news. We wanted to touch about uh, another epic crowd. We were just talking about the FA Cup, but coming out of week seven, um, in the midst of, of the ongoing regular season, Kansas City current making and setting a new home record of 12,969,000 fans in attendance. You love to see it. Unfortunately, we had recapped this game. They had dropped the result to San Diego. Mm-hmm. It was a 2-1 loss. But maybe they're looking at this as a little bit of a different win. For yeah. The current. They're doing this in uh, Children's Mercy Park. They're the home of sporting KC. Um, so I'm sure they'll like to try to ride this type of momentum and this type of energy and um, enthusiasm into their home stadium when they eventually have their first home game there. For sure. Yeah. This record of, of over 12,000, nearly 13,000 fans um, smashed the record that was before it about 10,300 fans. That was in 2022 against Angel City. This one uh, for Casey at home on Mother's Day. This was uh, the Sunday match for the the Casey Current against San Diego. And the fact that, as you just touched on, Sandra, they the Current's able to do this in Children's Mercy Park, which is SKC's home field, um, when they have their very own facility being built on the riverfront. It's I, I had the pleasure of being in Kansas City last week and the stadium is there. Like it looks like a stadium. The seats are in, the steel beams are up and um they've got a stadium coming right on the riverfront. It is gorgeous. And that's what this team hopes to do. They're trying to pack children's mercy park this year. That way they can just pack the riverfront when it opens at the start of next year. And and all those fans are already invested in this team. Um, So if you haven't been yet to a home NWSL game, no matter where you are in the country, get out there. There's plenty of opportunities. We got Regular season, Challenge Cup action, midweek action, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever you want, there's a game for you out there. So go buy tickets and and be there because um, that's how you support the team and that's how you support the future of this league and and the continued growth of it. Uh, Get out to a game for sure. Hashtag go to games. The go to games contingent is stronger than ever. So go to them <laughs> if you get a chance. We've got NWSL action to talk about. We want to preview the Challenge Cup coming up tomorrow. So stick with us after a quick break. All right, we're back. Let's shed all things Challenge Cup. We've got Racing Louisville FC versus Kansas City Current in a central region matchup. This one kicking off at 6.30 p.m. Eastern in Kentucky. You can go ahead and watch some Paramount Plus. You can catch it on CBS Sports Go Lasso Network as well for free. Uh, so make sure you tune in to the game because this is going to be Racing Louisville's first, you heard it here, first Challenge Cup game. They're just fine. They're just getting, you know, for a call racing, they're getting in late into the race in this one. Oh, I like it. I like it, Sandra. I mean, I love a pun. Very cheesy, but... Love I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. Thank yes. Appreciate uh, a late start for Racing Louisville getting into the Challenge Cup in, in this midweek action. Um, and meanwhile, for Kansas City, they've played one. Um, they beat Houston Dash in the first week and then Kansas City getting a, a little bit of a break. Uh, but that was Kansas City's first ever win of the year. Yep. Um, 
and now racing Louisville, they're coming off their first ever win of the year in the regular season that happened last week. Um, and, and racing Louisville is kind of on this, this little bit of a turn and this little bit of a run right now. Can they keep it up? Um, it's at home for racing Louisville, which gives them, I think a bit more of an advantage, no travel from, the Friday or the Saturday weekend game that they just played into this weekend. Um, of course, the the Challenge Cup is broken down into these like regional geographical areas. So honestly, not too, too much travel between both of these sides. But uh, for this one, um, I kind of I like this battle. I'm interested to see what we're going to see from Kansas City side, because this is a Kansas City team that is coming off of a, a back-to-back loss that they struggled with. And in this most recent game for Kansas City against San Diego, it was at home. We just talked about the record attendance that they had there. But we saw a different formation from head interim head coach Caroline Twablum lining up with a four back and then changing the midfield. And, and you and I talked about it in our recap of the weekend. Um, I didn't love it for Kansas City. I think when you have players like Kate Delfava and Haley Mace that are not only racehorses and can just run the pitch up and down, they're good on both sides of the ball, defensively can make stops, and then can also provide to be a threat in the attacking end. That's what's worked really well for Kansas City. And they they went away from that last week because they went to a four-back, so Mace and Delfava didn't have as much freedom um, to explore and, and go down the pitch. So that was something that I think Kansas City struggled with. Now, they've gotten one game under their belt with that. Caroline Hoblom talked about how she wanted to play with a four-back. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that again in the midweek, in the midweek challenge cup for them to get another run out there with the four back. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think, look, that was a long time ago. It feels like at this point where we spoke about um, Kansas city in a news and notes segment, it was to, to talk about the dismissal of Matt Potter. And, and maybe sometimes when you have a jarring thing happen like that, uh, you kind of, is a springboard for, for some results for, for a team. And maybe what we are seeing is, is some of that um, energy kind of like wearing off a little bit. Like sometimes that, that new, that that former coach dismissal type of energy kind of wears off a little bit. And maybe this is the week where Kualo could try to reset some things for the team. Like you mentioned, whether it's tactically or rotation question mark, because I think something that we need to talk a little bit, too is is the fact that what we could see midweek from these two teams in a challenge cup game because they literally have a quick turnaround and face each other again in the regular season so if we're like looking at a challenge cup game if you're quablon for for the current if you're bjorka grin for racing how much are you getting your team to buy into a midweek challenge cup game i think if you're the current you've already got your hat in the race in this one you've picked up three points in in the challenge cup already if you're racing you're just getting into this and it's not even that you're just getting into this as a central region team you're literally just getting into this as a team period across the board in challenge cup every other single team Mm -hmm. whether it's an east west or central region have already had a game under their belt for Challenge Cup. For racing, this is their first. So do we see a ton of rotation for racing in this Challenge Cup game in order to look ahead to the regular season against Kansas City one more time on Saturday? Or do they 
do you think Yorker Grand and Racing put all their eggs in this basket and say, we're going to go out there and get this game? To be honest, I'm not sure. It's a, right. I think it's case by case, yeah. team by team, how much stock they're putting into the Challenge Cup matches. Now, as you talked about, Racing Louisville is a game behind the rest of their central region. I do think they want to pick up points. That could be a draw, though. Um, I, I don't – It's this is so tough, right? Because you yeah. have this Challenge Cup game, and then you have to go play them in regular season. And I think both of these, these teams are going to – have a little bit more interest in winning the regular season at this point. Now, can you use this first game as like a like a trial run? No, I don't think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see different lineups, perhaps different stylistic things. Yeah. It's not going to be – if you watch Wednesday night's Challenge Cup game between Louisville and Kansas City and then the weekend's regular season game between Louisville and Kansas City, they're going to be different matches. Yeah. Um I, that's just what I'm predicting. It, you don't want to show too much of your cards in this midweek game and still provide a little bit of a surprise on the weekend for your opposition. <laughs> I feel you. I feel okay. Well, let me ask you this then. When we're looking at these two teams, who do you think has the the deeper bench? We, uh, we've been seeing a lengthy, football. yeah, we've been seeing the lengthy injury reports for yeah for current. I don't anticipate that. Sorry, that changing. took me a whole ten seconds. To no, no, no. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, all of a sudden, you know no, what? No, you know why it takes you a whole ten seconds? Because you're thinking, you're like, I know, I know the current is that have had a lengthy injury report, but it's like, what's going to happen weekend and, and week? Are we finally going to get some of their players? Are back? we finally like, going to see Hamilton in in a game like this? She was available. Last week, um, right? She was available off the bench, I believe, for Kansas City, but we never got to see her in the game. Um, for the first time, yeah. Hamilton was available as a substitute in the regular season last week. Yeah. Frankly, if you're working a player back into the mix, do you give her minutes in Challenge Cup or do you just let her rest? I mean, if we see Hamilton yeah. 10 minutes at the end of this game, like I'm not expecting much. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very curious about what the the concept of like player rotation is for Quablon versus Bjorkgren in a game like this, knowing they have another one against each other in the weekend that counts for the regular season. So, all right, let's lay it out, cards on the table. Let's let's make a pick. Let's make a prediction. Do you have a winner, a loser, or you're going to lean into the draw in the in this one? Totally would not be surprised if this is a draw between Casey and Racing Louisville in the midweek Challenge Cup because I think they're going to put more cards, um, more eggs into the basket for the regular season. But the win that Racing Louisville is coming off of, 3-0 over Chicago in the regular season, uh, Wang Shuang getting her first NWSL goal, um, Kanu doing big things in this match as well. I, I'm going to go with Racing Louisville in this one um, if it's not a draw, right? I hate to put a qualifier yeah. on it. That's why I'm going to go with Louisville. But, I mean, if it's a draw, I'm not going to be surprised. I think, well, it, the other question mark is for Kansas City, goalkeeper position. Yep. What are we yeah. going to see? It's been between Cassie Miller and A.D. Frange. Cassie Miller then um, let up a couple goals against Angel City. Casey didn't pick up that win, so Schwablum went with A.D. Frange. A.D. Frange let up two goals against San Diego. Now what do we see in, in the midweek? I think that, like, frankly, for Kansas City, they're focused on that a little bit. Like, who's going to be the better yeah. goalkeeper week in and week out every single day in training? And that's who's perhaps going to – get minutes um 
I, I hear you on that. Maybe this is the game, like we've mentioned, maybe this is the game that Quablam uses to try to reset some tactics, and, and maybe this yeah. is a game that Louisville targets and feeds into with the momentum and the fact that it's their first Challenge Cup game. But we had a, we saw a great game from Savannah DeMello and what she can bring That's for this it. team, you know, and I think if she gets another good start uh, going for, for Racing Louisville, I think they take all three points in this one as well. So I'm also going Louisville, nice. uh, Louisville in this one for a challenge cup. It'll be interesting to see what shakes out ahead of their regular season matchup on Saturday, but uh, we'll make those picks at a later time this week. That's it for NWSL fixtures for this, uh, this midweek matchup, only one challenge cup game this week. So we've got our paper both on Louisville. It's always dangerous when we both go for the same team. So we'll see what happens there. Stick with us after a quick break. We've got some World Cup chatter to talk about. All right, we're back. And we want to chat all things 2023 Women's World Cup. Lisa already put the teaser earlier in this episode, said we're 65 days away from the World Cup. We'll all be on Australia and New Zealand time this summer. It's going to be <laughs> quite a ride. Let's do. Let's have some fun with uh, with a World Cup roster stock watch. So we wanted to do things a little bit differently. Didn't want to come on on here and just say here is our mock roster because that's a very popular thing to do in the build up to a World Cup. We wanted to have some different stretches and different um, things to, to talk about within um, the potential roster that we could see very soon, sometime in June, essentially. Um, but last time we left this United States Women's National Team was in April and it was billed as the final two friendlies against Ireland as the final friendlies for the international team to get together before the official world cup roster is named coming out of that pair of friendlies and saying, we feel good. We feel ready. There's two groups of players. There are players that we're going to send them back to, to their clubs and say, Hey, keep up your fitness keep up your form and there's other groups of players within a group that they're going to give specific instruction to things that they can work on that they are going to be looking at as a coaching staff through cup uh, club play to continue to evaluate and rate whether or not these players will go to the world cup. So we've got seven weeks of a regular season play some challenge cup games sprinkled along the way. Let's talk about some players who are maybe trending up and trending down, even if they may be considered quote-unquote locks for this 2023 World Cup. We got to start with the defensive end of the pitch, of course. Lisa, let's talk about the goalkeepers. Um, you know, for people who don't know, you can go on .com and read my stock watch already. I have my most recent one out there, and you can take a look at the players that I think are locks who are trending up and down. But let's talk a little bit about who's hot for the goalkeepers. So I think you and I are probably in agreement that there's three goalkeepers who will probably go to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen them throughout camps for an extended period of time over the course of, let's just say, the better part of the last year. We don't even have to go as far back as two years, but maybe the last year to 18 months, it's been Alyssa Nair, Casey Murphy, and Adriana French. Uh, in terms of who's uh, trending up and who's trending down, what are you seeing for the goalkeepers at this moment? Um, yeah, I think it's important to kind of look at them as a whole as these goalkeepers. Um, yes, for sure. Three of them going to be headed to Australia and New Zealand um, this summer. But I, I, 
And honestly, like, I'm not sure if like the three is actually even going to change at this point, but kind of just putting that out there. I I think Casey Murphy most recently trending up Mm -hmm. um, for North Carolina Courage. She's coming off a big shutout win for the Courage this past weekend in the regular season. She's been a very consistent factor for North Carolina because although they haven't picked up points every single week in the regular season, she's been one that has been as consistent as can be for the the North Carolina Courage side, despite them not being able to score enough goals, frankly. Um, Casey Murphy, for me, trending up in, in this position. And honestly, I, I think that A.D. French and Alyssa Nair trending down. Mm-hmm. I mean, AD, Alyssa Nair, uh, for one of for what it's worth, and and with this Chicago Red Star side, has been struggling. Chicago has not been able to pick up points. Um, they're at the bottom of the table. They're conceding goals. Um, they have 18 goals against. That's the most in the league right now. And no, you can't just look at the goals against and, and blame it all on the goalkeeper, but there have been crucial mistakes that have been made by Alyssa Nair that concerns me a little bit in terms of the future of of this roster and kind of going forward with the U.S. because Alyssa Nair was the number one goalkeeper up until I I think the last several months and and maybe she still is but Alyssa Nair's stock for me has been dropping um, just with her play in the regular season and, and not being able to be as big of a brick wall as we've seen her be in the past. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair to, to take a look at, at club form and say, hey, you know, like what's going on here. But I think you make an important note that it's a pretty much a team shape and, and team struggle that that mm-hmm. Nair finds herself not only captaining, but seeing in front of her uh, throughout these Red Stars matches. Um, but I think at this point in this stage in the game, um, if you're the national team technical staff and coach, you're continuing to check in with your goalkeeper and just sort of say, Hey, like, just keep it up, you know, clock in, clock out, get your game and match minutes. Um, Because I think if you're the number one goalkeeper for not only the last cycle, but the last years in between leading up to this next world cup, um, you're not trying to have your number one, have any other mental struggles because it's clear right. it's clear that there's already some club struggles uh, going that they're having to face as well. But I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at this trio that we think are going to go to the World Cup and, and Adriana French has had to deal with some rotation out of Kansas City current. This is a player that we again that we think is going to be on that plane to Australia. But uh, when Kansas City kind of went ahead and, and went on that um winning streak that started with Challenge Cup, it came um, with a goalkeeping change from Carolyn Quablon for the current. And she has said, there's competition at the goalkeeping position and we are happy. That's a good problem. We want to continue to see and reward good performances. And we got to see AD French back in net after a tough, after a tough uh, loss. And, and so she goes in there against San Diego and unfortunately, the team um, drops this result against San Diego 2-0. Now, we're looking at a lot of uh, new names in that Kansas City team, and maybe some of the defensive issues are, you know, lack of uh, chemistry or lack of time right. together. You know, like what are we taking a look at here, and and why are these, goals, you know, how and why these goals are being conceded? But um, that's another player I think that you could look at as maybe kind of trending down in terms of just lack of lack of play. And then when we're getting to see French in these roles, unfortunately, 
you know, on the, on the losing end of these things. It's curious because it's like if we're looking at club play specifically and we could talk about stock up, I mean, we talk about Aubrey Kingsbury with Washington Spirit, although we, I don't necessarily believe that she's going to have enough here oh, wow. to make a case for the World Cup, unfortunately, because this player, despite the good club play through seven weeks at this point, has not been a part of the national team picture since 2021, I believe. Yeah. It, it's, it's too much time removed, I feel like. Yeah, I think she got one cap in 2022 at the very beginning of the year, um, very early. But yeah, I think that although Kingsbury has been playing so well in club and, and Washington Spirit now at the top of the table and she's been very sound defensively, I think she lacks experience It to get. I mean, this is a World Cup roster we're talking about. Like we are 65 days out. It is make or break at this point, and I just don't think she has enough experience to make this World Cup roster. If this was a year ago, for yeah. sure, Kingsbury would be called in. Let's get her more experience, get her more caps, time with the training team, um, in training and in friendlies. But the fact that there are is one more send off game for the United States before the World Cup, in, in which the roster will have already been made. You don't want to bring a goalkeeper in that just has one cap under yeah. under her belt, despite how good Kingsbury is doing at this point, um, which, I mean, it's puts Vakowenanovsky into a little bit of a tough position. He, I'm sure he's having conversations with these goalkeepers and, and saying like, hey, guys, like we're watching you. Like what's going on? Can we pick this up a little bit for sure? Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I mean, it's it's a it's a struggle because it's again, it's not like she hasn't uh, Kingsbury hasn't uh, been called up under Andonovsky, and it's it's curious to sort of see like all of this this incredible hot streak that she's on right now with the Spirit because it was her club performance in 2021 yeah. when they went all the way to the championship final that earned her those looks uh, in in the national teams in the national team camps, uh, but then. Again, through club play, French with an incredible run with the current in 2022, start, got to, got called in. Um, it's the ebbs and flows of everything. So I'm very curious about what we could see at that number three position. Although I think at this point, due to consistency, I think we're going to see Nate or Murphy or French. At this yeah. point, experience outweighs some of the other factors in it. Yeah, and France, again, matter. was part of that. Yeah, Nair and France are the two goalkeepers who were part of that 2019 World Cup roster as well. So you want to have players who who know what to expect uh, when they have to navigate group stages and knockout rounds and things like that. Let's uh, keep it on the defensive end of the pitch here. We want to talk about Stockwatch for United States women, women's national team defenders. Player, defenders who we think are going to be locks going into the world cup uh honestly i think at this point i thought i had locks for defenders lisa but now i'm like idk what's going on here what are we looking at what are we seeing um i yeah. think becky sauerbrunn we've seen her out with uh with an injury and obviously i think that's precaution more precautionary than anything else um this is a player that you would consider a lock for your defensive yes. side of things um i would I would maybe say Alana Cook because she's been like the healthiest center back option um, throughout Andonovsky's national team camps while there was so much injury rotation that was taking place for the central defender role. It's how we got to see the um, introduction of Naomi Girma into these consistent camps. Maybe she's a lock as well. I hate to even say it like this because she is performing phenomenally, phenomenally with club at midfield in Portland 
Crystal Dunn is a lock on this roster, unfortunately, probably as a defender, although, again, I think maybe she's making her case over seven weeks playing higher up the pitch, but I think we've seen her at left back for so long and pigeonholed into this one side of the pitch that the staff might not want to shake things up on the defensive side of things because I feel like this maybe was – Maybe this was a core of players, Lisa, where we thought there were like it was easy to pick some locks. And now with club play out of, you know, from April through through May now, we've got some players who are trending up and trending down. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't even mentioned Emily Sonic yet, who has, again, typically been one of these players as part of the defender core. And I would consider her stock down because she's not even playing um, on a back line with club right now. She's featured yeah. as a midfielder with Laura Harvey and Noel Rain. I agree. I think it's very – if you're Vlako Anonofsky and you're looking to assess your defenders and, and one of those being Emily Sonnet, um, who I don't think is a lock on this roster by any means, and she's not even playing in the position you want her to play in, well, from what we know, in the back line with O.L. Rain and Laura Harvey, it's a bit of a, a bit of a question mark. But w- in terms of some of your other locks that you threw out there, yes, Alana Cook, um, I, I think that – there's just been a lot of investment into her as a player, um, and and you know that you can lean on her in these situations. Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, to me, Naomi Gurma is a lock, despite maybe um, not as strong of performances with San Diego as we've seen in the past, but I still think she's an incredible defender, even though San Diego has gone through some ups and downs. You have to look at the individual skill of a player and and perhaps this adversity that Gurma's going through right now with San Diego, um, finally getting back on the winning side of things just this past weekend will help a player like that. To, to me, Naomi Gurma and Becky Sauerbrunn are like the locks for center back start at the World Cup. Um, I also think Emily Fox is a lock. Doing well. Is Doing well. stock up at this point. Um, I, th- I think she's going to the World Cup too. I really do. And, and the way that she's been able to play at North Carolina under a new system with a new team and still be able to succeed and contribute into the attack and, and be a lockdown 1v1 defender, it's been very impressive to watch Emily Fox uh, throughout this year stock up for her in that sense. We're, um, we're talking defenders, okay? And we've touched on Sauron as a veteran. Yeah. So I want to ask you about Kelly O'Hare. Kelly. Yeah, that was my next one. She's dealing with injury. Yeah. She has been, but feels like her whole life. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah. However, it it's it's the reality of the situation um, with a, a veteran player like that. Um, I think she's still like, I don't mean this in the way that it's going to sound, but it's she's still like a good fallback for Black Wanonofsky that – it's it's a player it's a player you know for coaching staff that they know what they're getting in. You know yeah. what you're going to get, and despite that, she is injury she she is injury prone, and she does have significant injuries that can creep up and and maybe not give you a full ninety minutes. You still know what you're going to get from her when she's on the pitch, and I think her play with Gotham when she's healthy and when she's able to be out there um, has been good. Has yeah, been good think- despite her coming back from injury. I think club play is is something that they wanted this player to make sure that they got, you know, that she got back in, into form. And I think when we're looking at some of the veterans on this team, whether it's it's, it's a Sauerbrunn or, or Megan Rapino or in this case, Kelly O'Hara, like we've seen the minutes kind of expand a little bit for, for O'Hara over the time, over her time with uh, with Gotham FC. So those early matches, like, 
45 minutes, maybe an hour, but then we've started started to see that balloon to like 80 plus minutes, 90 plus minutes. And now we've got some fluctuating where we see like 25 minutes, 90 minutes, 55. An hour, yeah. We just saw the last game at 55 minutes. So it's like, it's kind of like up and down a, a little bit. So I don't, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that's an, un, an, un, uh, an unfair statement to say. I think maybe with this player, maybe she's considered a lock if she's able to get, consistent minutes especially considering her background with this team and uh her evolution within this team yeah that this is a player that the coaching staff takes so kelly o'hara you're asking me the hard questions i want to ask some hard questions here because one player that i've got circled uh, with some question marks around their name tierna davidson yeah um, big, big question marks for me around this player coming back from her ACL injury and playing very significant minutes with Chicago Red Stars, but she doesn't look like the Tierna Davidson of, of mm-hmm. years past. She just doesn't. What are your thoughts on Davidson and, and stock at this point and, and U.S. roster? I think if you're looking just at club play and you're looking at, at the results and, and what we're seeing out of Chicago, I think this is a player that people would look at and say, well, this is a player who's trending down. Um, I think that there's always more to players who are coming back from such a significant injury. Uh, I think with Tierna Davidson being as gone, uh, gone and out and unavailable for as long as she was in her return to play from an ACL injury, that's, that's not a a little insignificant injury, right? That's an, that's often a lengthy injury. We're talking nine months minimum, and that's not if you've got setbacks or otherwise, but the one silver lining within this return of Davidson is that it looks like she's physically at a place where she's capable to play. She's getting regular starts. She's putting together 90 minute shifts. She's getting them with the number one goalkeeper and Alyssa Nair, but the other component that often comes, the other piece that comes with a significant injury and in return to play like this is the mental component. Totally. I just don't know if being on a club team right now in Chicago is helping that component uh, for a player like Davidson. If you're, if the mentality, if part of the mental side of the game is getting up on a match day, knowing you're going to go out there and constantly be overloaded and yeah. constantly drowning, pressure, it drowning. Drops. Drowning. Literally. So it, it, it I think the, the mental side of it drops a little bit. So, um, which is, I mean, I, I also think her performance has been questionable at times, right? I, I don't think it's her fitness and I don't think it's right. honestly, it's more just when you're coming back from such a, a long devastating injury, your yeah. brain is up to speed. You're ready to go. You, you know what your body wants mm-hmm. to do, but sometimes your body just can't do it. Whether it's her, her, um, yeah. slow t- or quick twitch muscles that are giving her that acceleration and that explosive speed or her ability yeah. to cut as quickly and as smoothly and as efficiently yeah. as she was doing a year ago it, or two years ago, rather, it, it's not there at yeah. that point. And, and we see that. I think yeah. we see that sometimes with players who are yeah. coming back from an ACL, there's like, there's, there's, yeah different phases and different components and coming back from an injury like that. One part of it is the physical side of that, which we both agree. That's not the issue. She's getting started. She can physically play 90 minutes. And one of those phases and components is, is the mental side of things. And maybe those two things just aren't, aren't connecting right now, which is unfortunate because we know we've seen Tierna Davidson on, on for club or for national team and 
you know, who she is and, and what she can can bring to the pitch. It's also unfortunate that her return, um, you know, really didn't come into play until that final international match in that camp against uh, Ireland, where she kind of saw limited minutes there as well. So there just wasn't enough time to really get her into a actual competitive match, even though she had spent some time in national team camp so we'll see we'll definitely see what what happens there i think we're we're, again we're talking 65 days at this point from from the world cup there's still some some games to play um but i think when you're looking at this defend the defender side of things um maybe you've got a, a starter for every single slot in the back and then really what's up for grabs is perhaps those depth roles and that's where you have those yeah. conversations about uh, a sonnet or a davidson or or even a sofia huerta or casey kruger even at this point i think there would be folks out there who would venture to argue that kruger is having the better defensive season yeah. in chicago versus versus davidson so it's uh it's it's going to be interesting to see how things get get laid out and what the coaching staff evaluates or values taking to the world cup uh versus leaving some players off and leaving them at home let's start getting into higher up the pitch here let's talk about some midfielders um because while we're talking about the the stock watch and who's trending up and who's trending down part of this like that we touched on with the goalkeepers and defenders already is lack of minutes that we've seen for some midfielders so while we would typically have our locks like we've what well, I think it's safe. I don't want to speak for both of us, but I feel safe in saying that we both agree like a Lindsay Horan is going to the World Cup. Uh, Andy Sullivan going to the World Cup. But we haven't seen a lot of minutes from Roosevelt. And despite us not seeing minutes from Roosevelt in the regular season for quite some time, I still think she's a lot to go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I really do. I really, really do. Um <laughs> I do as well. I think I think Rose Lavelle is a lock for the World Cup. Honestly, the way that it's going, the last time we saw her play was actually with the U.S., right? Yeah. And then it was announced that she wasn't going to play in the second game against Ireland, right? Ireland? Yeah. Okay, so she played in the first game, and then we were like, okay, she's not going to play in the second. It's a very small injury. We're just precautionary. She's not going to play. And then since being back with O.L. Reign, we have not seen Rose Lavelle get time and minutes, and there's also been – no word about what's happening. Is it uh, what's happening? How injured is she? What actually does that mean? Is she training? Um, But for me, I think it's all precautionary. I don't think it's anything that dire. It's more like Rose, your plane tickets been booked for a while now. (laughs) Let's just keep you in a bubble. It's so true. That way you don't get yourself hurt. Frankly, that's what it is, which, um, it, that's how it goes sometimes when you have players that are as influential and as important as someone like a Rose Lavelle that's going to the the World Cup. Um, yeah. In terms of other midfielders, stock up for me, Ashley freaking Sanchez 100%. all the way. Yes. Ten hundred percent. Like that is it. She has just been phenomenal with Washington spirit in the midfield. She has just found her rhythm and, and is growing with confidence and consistency week in and week out with the spirit. She's shooting with both feet. She's getting open looks. She's scoring goals. She's making heads up plays. She's um, defensively putting in a lot of good work off the ball yeah. as well. Really, really tremendous to see Ashley Sanchez. It's it, Maybe some of these bubble players that are bubble players in their mind um, are are making more and more of an effort during this regular season. I think Sanchez is one that thought, 
I, I'm not I'm not a lock for the World Cup. And not only do I want to be a lock, I want to be a starter. I want to force him to put me on the bench and say yeah. we need as many minutes from Sanchez as possible. And that's what she's giving right now. Huge stock up for Ashley Sanchez. Absolutely. I'm with you. I had her I had her on my stock watch for for dot com recently after six weeks of play. Um, I featured her on our NWSL star player index. You can go check that out on dot com as well. Players who are generating buzz throughout the league. And Ashley Sanchez is absolutely one of them. I think it's very helpful. Yes, of course, it's it's helpful that she's playing alongside uh, some other great attacking players. Um, but she's a hundred percent a player, I think, who was tasked with a certain level of things as mm-hmm. they return back to club, and she's a hundred percent delivering on those. I mean, in terms of uh, other players who are, are doing well with club and then continuing to, to maybe uh, really kind of sign their name on that roster sheet is probably Christy Mewis. I would have considered I her a lock. I would have considered agree. her a lock even before uh, Gotham's uh, really good start here. But as they continue to to grow over the course of the regular season, I think she has just shown through club play, once again, what she can provide for this team in the midfield in case they need to call on her number. I mean, Julie Ertz back with Angel City. She's getting more uh, more games under her belt and looking like a player who's building into... Is she a lock? Is Julie Ertz a lock? Yeah, absolutely. Julie Ertz is a lock. Um, I don't think Julie... I don't think they have Julie Ertz in that final April camp. And I don't think Julie Ertz signs with the club team if there's not a real shot at making a World Cup roster. Now with Julie Ertz, um, I agree. Um, Put that out there. I agree. I think she is a lock. But is it at all concerning that there were two back-to-back matches, one Challenge Cup, one regular season, where she had excused absences with Angel City? Uh, She did not play. now she's back. She played this past weekend with Angel City. But is that at all a concern about priorities or things like that? I know there was some questions out there on the inner space. Um, and the inner space. Uh, con- concerning to the coaching staffs, probably not. Um, eyebrow raising to, to fans, yeah, I'm sure. Um, with all of the emphasis that's placed on, on club play and the – the ongoing conversation around, you know, need for minutes and need for games. I think the the assumption that people operate off of that is, hey, here are the games. Go play them. Mm-hmm. Um, perception is reality for a lot of people. And when there's a player who's made their return under all of those previous uh, circumstances that were just talked about, to have a couple excused absences, I think some folks are kind of like, well, what's the what's the deal here? But I think if it's is it a concern for the coaching staff on either club or country? Absolutely not. Yeah, probably know. like, you know what? That makes sense. You had this on your radar before you even signed this contract. Yeah. Here's your excused absence. Totally. It's all good. So those are those are you know those are things you know I think that one of them was tied to um, their nonprofit organization, the Earth okay. Foundation, and those are things that are scheduled in far in advance. Yes. And you know I think we both agree that Earths is is a lock for this roster. Yep. And let's say there were a dozen games with available for Angel City. 
um, leading up to the World Cup. And let's just say if Julie Ertz even plays six to eight of those, that that is enough yeah. for the coaching staff. Um, I agree. I agree with you on that one, Ertz, uh, as well. Um, jumping back, I know you mentioned Christy Mewis with Gotham. This is a player that I was not too high on at the start of the season, um, just like with what she's been able to do and kind of getting back into the roster. It was always kind of a little bit anticlimactic watching a Christy Mewis mm-hmm. play for me. Um, now seeing her with Gotham and and we'll get to the forward crew, but the the play that Christy Mewis has been able to do in the midfield, specifically linking up with the forwards on Gotham, Lynn Williams specifically has been tremendous. Uh, it's been really fun to watch Christy Mewis, who struggled last year with Gotham in the midfield due to a number of different things, formation, tactics, the team overall. And this year has really decided to turn things around uh, the way that Christy Mewis can, right? Doing everything she can in her power to turn it around. Um, stock up for me on Christy Mewis at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think players... Again, we're, we're talking about lack of minutes. I think that's kind of a common thread here for players whose stock might be down. I think we're obviously looking at Taylor Korniak, who has not been able to get a lot of games mm-hmm. in with San Diego Wave. I believe it's due to an abdomen issue at this point that we're seeing. And Katerine Macario, another player trying to make her return back uh, from in a lengthy ACL injury, I think. When she first suffered this injury, there was a lot of optimism in terms of her early recovery. Um, But I think in terms of where we're seeing her now, somewhere along the way, there was probably a setback. Um, And we are now talking about a player with Olympic Lyon that has two games left in their season. Um, in order for for them to get some some match minutes, I'm high on Macario. She's a player that I uh, enjoy watching play when she's you know fit and healthy, and I think right. she is one of those players that you look at as a a future generational player. I think we can't say that right now just because we only saw her for a short chunk of minutes in the Olympics, but then she went on and did what she did with um, OL. I mean, she's won a Champions League. She's won titles with them already, a leading goal scorer at at one point, and then suffered this uh, terrible ACL injury. Um, And now it looks like because of this, she could miss out on this upcoming World Cup. And she's a player that I'm like, if she's even like, you know, yeah, I I look at Makara as a player, it's like, she can run, you take her. But the the games aren't there in front of her so we don't even really know what that looks like right and and maybe she is training right we heard that from julie earth before she came back she was training with mls academy teams um but Vlaka was like hey you've got to get minutes with the club you got to sign and now when we look at katarina macario 65 days out from the start yeah. of the world cup and and there's nothing on her radar, nothing on the schedule coming up for her to play. She's not signed with the team. Her club season is done in in, in Europe. What's going to happen? It is unlikely to me, unless something changes, unless something's happening behind the scenes, that Macario is going to the World Cup. Yeah, I hate it. Unlikely. I'm sad about it. I'm not Super even going to try. Yeah, let's talk about the forwards now. <laughs> Quickly move be, on. I don't want to talk about it. Move on. I can't talk about it. It makes me too sad. I want to move on. Let's talk about the forwards. Let's close out this episode with the attackers. We've got forwards, so we think we are going to be locked for this World Cup. I think Sophia Smith is a yep. lock for this World Cup. Alex Morgan is a lock for this World Cup. I think Lynn Williams should be a lock for this World Cup. I think Trinity Rodman should be a lock for this World yep. Cup. And 
if she continues to get her minutes, knowing what we've heard from the U.S. coaching staff already, Megan Rapino is probably a lock for this World Cup. Yeah, I agree. I think Megan Rapino is going to the World Cup um, as to to be a role player. To be a role player, doubtful mm-hmm. she will ever start a game. Doubt she will get more than forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of going out on a limb here, but she will be a role player, come in at the end of games, be be a training player, be a training room player, be a locker room player, a bench player, um, and and understand her role in this World Cup is exactly that. And to to have her kind of turn the page on that and understand her role and be able to live it truly is going to help this team 100%. Yeah. So I think if that's if everyone's on the same page there, it's a lock for Rapino to be there. Um, as you mentioned, Smith, uh, Williams, Rodman, um, yeah. a couple other players. Had- and those are two players trending up, Williams and Rodman. So Rodman, incredible, incredibly high trend right now for me. Stock up for Rodman. The work that she is doing off the ball has been tremendous. Her her defensive work, the mileage that she puts in off the ball, her ability to score goals and and play in those wide areas, cut inside. She's playing with the maturity of a, a seven or eight year veteran in this league. And she's only 20 years old. So fun to watch Rodman. Lynn Williams also stock incredibly high watching her uh, create nothing out of some or create something out of nothing with Gotham FC. She has just been tremendous for this team. She's got six goals for Gotham in the first nine games across all competitions. Um, and, and she started the year with the United States getting a goal after that long 10 month abs- absence and her off the ball work is impressive. Imagine like a U.S. team with Lynn Williams and Trinity Rodman off ball press. I'm smiling. Press. Like people who aren't watching us live, I'm just smiling ear to ear. Tremendous, tremendous. Um, someone else that I think that has been on the bubble of this roster. However, I believe that her stock is rising. Ashley Hatch. Yeah. Uh, this is a forward that has been in and out of the the U.S. roster and called up. Um, most recently was called up for the most um, recent April friendlies. And it was almost like she wasn't getting enough time. Is she going to get enough minutes? What's going to be the role for Hatch? And her performance with Washington Spirit has been tremendous, whether it's scoring in the run of play, her her vision on the ball, her penalty kick goals. She's proved that she's doing something it, right and perhaps what the coaching staff has asked of her with Washington spirit trending very, very high for me. Stock is up for Ashley Hatch. No, I hear you on that. Look, it's hard to ignore what many of the spirit attackers are doing right now for Mm -hmm. club. I think um, Hatch and her inclusion on national team rosters has really been predicated on what she can provide as a secondary central forward. Um, and I think that's been the struggle that we've seen sometime over the course of these national team camps. Can she turn it on when you're coming off of the bench, when you don't have a 90 minute game in front of you to build over? Are you able to get in there and make an impact in 20 minutes? And maybe there were some question marks there coming out of um, that final April window, but there is no questions about what she's doing for club. She's 
performing well alongside her other national team teammates. And perhaps that will be a factor that coaching staffs look at as well. Who has the chemistry with each other? Who's, you know, which players are familiar with each other and the movement on the pitch, et cetera, et cetera. I think we also have to include Alyssa Thompson in this conversation. Totally. This was the player that was brought in light of Mallory Swanson's patella tendon injury we didn't have mal listed as a lock for this one because of the lengthy amount of time that that type of surgery and recovery requires but they already had a protocol in place they had Alyssa thompson on the plane ready to come on in to this national team camp against ireland and she's making an early case not only for the plane to australia but really for rookie of the year in uh, NWSL play with Angel City. She's got four goals already across all competitions. Uh, absolutely just a menace yeah. on the pitch when it comes to getting on the ball and directly attacking back lines. Yeah. I would say the stock is up for this player. I just don't know who gets left off if they decide there's enough here to bring a very young player to I the World Cup. I mean, I think she's making a case for herself. She's already got called up. She's already got cap. She's already got a goal, right? Like, I think, I think that she's on the plane at this point. Alyssa Thompson's on the plane because yeah. her I mean, stock we're is, making the roster. Alyssa Thompson's sure. on the but just because her stock is so high right now, and frankly, this there's some stock down of other players that yeah. have been called in. I think you look at one Midge Purse forward for Gotham. Yeah, no minutes right now. In and out of of the. Uh, U.S. roster call-ups um, was in for a while and then out and then back in at the end of things and and she's been dealing with a hip injury and has not gotten minutes for Gotham um, and just uh, lack of minutes and, and injury wise stock down for for purse unfortunately I just yeah. don't think that with 65 days left she would be half she would have to push someone out of that man. position. Um, Injuries suck, man. Like, because I, I think we saw really early on, too, like these glimpses, like just these glimpses of, of really good connectivity between Williams and Purse as well. Yeah. And thinking like, wow, like what are we, what are we about to start seeing here with between Mewis and Williams and Purse? And, you know, unfortunately we've got um, a few weeks now with Purse unavailable for, for the FC games with the, with a hip injury. And so we'll see. And still no Chris Impress getting minutes, training, yeah. anything with it, with that, just kind of putting that out there. I know people in our chat asking about press and, and what's happening there. Um, remember, she had to get another surgery uh, a few months ago. So, I mean, injuries suck, right? Yeah. So uh, unlikely that we will see Chris Impress at the World Cup as well for the United States. Um, just really crappy yeah around the, there's there's a ton of players board. i think when we go when we look back at this in this entire stock watch where we're just looking at and injury and time are part of that equation where it's just the return to play has has taken the amount of time that it's needed but the time in the build-up to the world cup is just running out so it's just um just a really kind of sucky component to, to, to just had to have discussed throughout this entire uh, stock watch, but I'm sure we'll you look. Maybe and we'll Alex Morgan. We didn't even mention Alex Morgan, right? She's a lock for this. I mean, I said she was a lock early on, okay. but I mean, we didn't, okay, we didn't mention, we didn't mention why. I mean, no, lock. Alex lock Morgan is a lock because she's a, she's Alex Morgan and, and B she's been in good form from last season into this season. So um, she's, she's on, she's on the plane. Yeah. I said, I said early on that my yeah, lock is a lock. 
our Morgan Rapino as, as the vets, um, Williams, Rodman would be a lock for me at this point, Smith yep. at this point. Um, and then maybe there's a case for, for Thompson or a case for Hatch. It just depends yeah. on who staff, what the staff values and what, who and what they want to bring. But I'm um, right there with you on those locks for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I look, uh, it's 65 days, but there's still time. For us to do another one of these if, if folks have enjoyed it there's still some games in nwsl that will take place that can maybe dictate some things um let us know if you enjoy the stock watch we'll we'll do more of these if you if you like them um, but that's all we've got today that's a wrap for a3 thank you all for listening to attacking third and joining us live this morning download follow and listen to us anywhere you get your podcast leave us a rating and review that stuff helps us out so much you can also watch us subscribe to us on youtube at youtube.com slash attacking third you'll get alerts so that you'll know whenever we go live and uh lisa and i will be back with more nwsl content for you all so make sure you stay tuned for sandra and lisa roman this was attacking third